0: For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck.
1: And I'm Rowan Mangan, and this is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. So, Row, let's just get
0: right to it. What are you trying to figure out? What am I trying to figure out, Marty?
1: Oh, well, I don't know. Life, (laughs) the universe and everything. Um. I think a lot of my time these days I spend trying to figure out what the world must look like to our two-year-old daughter. Uh-huh. You know, like she's quite new to planet Earth.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And every now and again I get a little glimpse into her psyche. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had one the other day. It was quite interesting. We went to the park and um, we were in New York and we went to the local park and she came upon a sign That that said passive lawn. No passive lawn. Passive lawn.
0: (laughs) As opposed to the active kind, which is really frightening. Terrifying. That's like horror movie stuff. That's where the hills are alive with the sound of music comes (laughs)
1: from. That's an active lawn. Um, so it said no ball games, blah blah blah. And I saw Lila over there by herself pointing at the words. And I and I said, What does it say? And she said, and she pointed to the words while she said it. Why, 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 why? why? <laughs> and so I thought, wow, so in her universe we go to a park and there are just signs scattered about announcing her existence. I actually
0: think that we all do that. Yeah. Like I it, we're always looking for ourselves. And I saw I saw something once with a bunch of literary figures called Why I Write. And somebody got up and said, I think it's all in the the, the vowel sound. I, 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 why, <laughs> I write. And Emerson said the good writer um, seems to be writing about other about himself, but he's actually looking for what is common to him and his readers. So he's that the reader's always reading about themselves. Lila's just ahead of the game.
1: We're all completely solipsistic, is what you're saying.
0: You don't exist. I'm- Only. <laughs> but my- yes, I imagine you're saying that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. So there's, oh, a lot, there's a
0: lot to figure out there. There's a lot to figure out. Why, 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 all seriousness, I have the why, is I'm a bad, bad case of the ADD. Got a touch of the so old So I've been told. Had my brain wired and everything. And so I, uh, I made a fatal blunder. I decided that in in order to prove a theory about creativity, I was going to allow my creativity off its leash for a month. And mm. I did, as you know. And I do know the change in me was bizarre. I became an early morning riser. I mean, four in the morning early riser. Yeah constantly excited, constantly basically just seeing Marty, 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 Marty everywhere. (laughs) Look and drawing pictures of Lila because I felt like a two year old let out of its cage. And my month is up, Rowie. Oh. And and she doesn't want to go back in her cage. Does she have to go back in her cage? I lady? don't think so. Maybe we could just retrofit it so it's more like a dog house. Yeah, let's make her a kennel. Because she, she <laughs> wants a passive wand and a widow house. A little house. I don't want to push her back away I because I had to stop being just that creative self. Quite. We all do. We get yeah. swallowed by the culture. That is why we make this podcast. Yeah. And this is a fun thing. But my whole thing is, how do I reappear into the culture? Because it's like, I've got like 12 friends that I should have texted or emailed, and I just dropped off the face of the earth. And I don't know if our listeners have this same thing. But I come back and I'm like, hi, I was um, busy for a month. And then they say, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I did 17,000 watercolors, and I threw all of them away. (laughs) But I didn't have time to call you. (laughs) Okay. Oh dear! Right. Yeah, we might they take have to umbrage.
1: Yeah, we'll have to finesse the language there a little bit. Yeah, I think.
0: they take umbrage if it's just been a couple of days. It's been a month. I'm afraid. I'm you gonna do, get... Yeah,
1: you do truly disappear into yeah. your art you know, your artist yeah. mode. You've got your robe with kind of paints along the sleeves of it, yes, especially true. around the cuffs. True. You've kind of you live on peanut butter sandwiches. And there's just this kind of there's an there's an absence around
0: you. Only it's not an absence. Like there's an absence around me that you feel, but the, mm. the what what I'm present with is Massive, like it's a massive force of energy that I've gone into. Mm. Like I've gone into some kind of other dimension.
1: Yeah, I know. So you
0: say I'm gone, and I, oh, I looked gone. But for me, it's like everything just explodes from black and white into color. And like, it's like I'm on some kind of wonderful drug. <laughs> and it's very psychedelic. Who wants to reappear for that? And then I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't answer your text. And I have to pack in this extra dimension of the universe that's in color and go back to black and white and go, I'm so sorry. I didn't get back to you two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) I got one of
1: those Facebook memories things that comes up. You won't know what I mean, but I'll listen as well. Um, (laughs) I
0: know what you mean.
1: I'm not that bad at it. It was from – i think about four or five years ago when we'd had a conversation that is just so startlingly familiar right now so i had you had said to me i have to do really scary things today yeah and um and i said what are they and you said mostly replying to kind texts from people who mean me no harm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's the worst kind because I feel so bad about it. So I went from getting up at four, just like, I know exactly what I'm doing with the day, to texting you at 830 to say, all right, where are you in the house? (laughs) Can I I get some cover here? And there's nothing to be covered (laughs) from it. I just like, I want to hide behind you from the world. Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't figured it out at all. How to reappear. I know how to disappear. Just don't know how to reappear. We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there. You're such a kind lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this we we should carry this onward when uh yeah, when we're not taking other people's time. Let's
1: take this offline, shall we?
0: Yeah, we actually had do. a big
1: fight before we came on to do this podcast. Is it already? Right One if of I our share, worst. Yes. Yeah. Is it alright if I share this with the listeners? Uh, I think you, they must hear it. We'll be right back with More Bewildered. I have a favour to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of, that's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favourite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple. And giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And um, a review would also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. Mwah!
0: For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But... I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com compass and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.
1: What was that fight about, Marty? I was making, oh, you're like, I'm such a visual person. And then I was like, "Eh, I'm such a visual person." And then you're like, "Oh no, that was upstairs. That was an earlier fight." And <laughs> I said, when I said, "Eh, I'm such a visual person. My name's Martha. Dear diary. My name's Martha. I'm such a visual person." Are you, <laughs> and then you, you scum-sucking pig, and then you said, "Eh, my name's Roe, and if my desk isn't exactly That's the right, right
0: way, I have a nervous breakdown." <laughs> both of us were were right yeah there's really no argument we can give we actually aren't
1: very good at fighting even when we like no even when we like insult each other we're both like no that's fair actually
0: (laughs) i know it comes of having a third person because you know there's a referee going no no she said that (laughs) nonsense yeah
1: nonsense we're just delightful human beings
0: That's also true, but everyone is delightful. Everyone is delightful under all that malice.
1: So listen, I don't know if you're aware of this because I've just recently been made aware of it again, but we're doing a podcast right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, What? Since Oh, I have to reappear. Okay. We actually, this is a Wild Files episode, right? (laughs) 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 What? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I like to play with the sash of my velvety robe that I wear all the time over my clothes, and Lila calls it Muffy's tail, and she's always trying to steal my tail. And, and Marty's just,
1: for the first time ever in all the time I've known her, she's just taken to doing a little like pizzazz um, move. Be wildfires. She does this
0: little. She shakes the, the edges of her tail. It's the ADD.
1: This is a strange episode. Move already.
0: forward. No one can see me twirling my tail. Move <laughs> forward. No one can see me twirling my tail. So, today, We're listeners, going to edit
1: this really harshly. Okay. We're going to be talking about weird work because we um, had an interesting uh, message in a question. A question. From there you from go. A listener. <laughs> yes, it came in. And it struck us when we listened to this message, question. This, this this missive that came forth from the listenership. The epistle, as it were. The epistle, as it were. Um, that sometimes there are cultural messages that are so powerful that we really, really don't recognize them as as stories, as culture, as fiction. Yes. You know, we're so blind to those individual areas that that We genuinely think they're absolute reality. Yes, absolute truth. And one area that Marty and I believe that we have actually uncovered is, are you ready for it, jobs. Yes. Jobs. So I'm going to play Caroline's message now and I want all of us to play and see if we can spot the blind spots. Hi, this is Caroline and I am currently living in Western Australia. Right and Enro, I have a question about what to do when my desire to be in integrity with myself is hijacked by my reasoning brain. For example, I want to work around big animals like horses or big wild cats. I want to learn from them and experience them in their natural realm. This feels wonderful to me, but then I get stuck on who would hire someone with no experience. If I consider finding a J-job to help pay my bills, then my left hemisphere gets all out of whack and anxious, that I'm going to get sick again and be out of integrity. How do I keep from getting frozen by the fear of being out of integrity and my body falling apart again? So that is Caroline, and it's an amazing question. Yes, yeah, very. it's filled
0: with, with, you know, variations of, like, topics like she touches on mm. many things mm. from we're just because this is our podcast we're
1: just going to go down the rabbit hole that, that we were struck by right. in this so right. sorry about that caroline if you really wanted to go down one of the other things i i love big animals also
0: yes 100% but we we're going to talk about work right so actually i want to unpack it a little more because she talks about I, I know what I love, but then reason kicks in, logic yeah. kicks in and tells me, you know, who would hire me? I start to question with my reasoning brain. Mm-hmm. That's not reasoning, that is the cultural gospel coming in. And the cultural gospel always poses as reason or logic to the person who experiences it. It is absolutely obvious to people who are raised, um, say in a culture that requires some sort of ritual tattooing or something that they have to do that it just that's just rational so when we get an idea that's really sunk in it feels true we see it as reason when in mm. fact it's a value statement and it's not necessarily true at all and isn't it fascinating how the culture
1: masquerades as reason like it is so mm-hmm. clever yeah it's so clever and so we're not picking on you caroline we're actually delighted to see that you're showing this thing that I think we all have done at one time or another. Yeah.
0: I I once heard this old-timey British comedy duo, and they were doing this argument between a father and a son in a cannibal tribe. And the son was saying, I won't eat people. And the father was like, "You're, you're crazy. What is it with these kids? Why will they not eat people? We should eat people. And the son is like, no, it's wrong. And at the very end of this argument, the father says, you might as well say, don't stab people. And the son is like, don't stab people. Well, you've got to stab people. <laughs> and they have this, oh, ha, ha, as if, right? So the son still has this weird gospel that allows him to hurt people. And it's just about how we position as that's the way it is. And we call that reason and logic, and it's not at all. So I just think that what we're seeing here is not logic, but a brand of cultural fundamentalism in our culture.
1: So what does the culture, what is the culture saying here? How do we, how do we like pull that out and see what's the message we're receiving about a job?
0: One of the biggest ones. And I thought, oh, oh I will call this very coyly, the book of job. Oh, Cause it's like the book of Job in the Bible, which is about someone being tormented nearly to death for no reason. So the book of job says, basically, if you want to live the dream, life of your dreams, you have to find an established job that exists out there that some corporate entity or person gives to you that absolutely conforms to your desires and let you, lets you do the things you want. And if, then if you're
1: very, very good, mm, if you're a good little person, then you'll be able to retire with a modest income at age 65 and, you know, maybe if you're lucky, go on a cruise. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah.
0: Also, your workplace situation and the people around you where you spend most of your waking hours, if you're lucky, won't be so horrible. They make you want to kill yourself. And this is the only way to live your dreams. I've heard this
1: a trillion times from clients and friends. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it was interesting, you know, only by getting a capital J job, Mm -hmm. working with big animals, can I be in integrity? That's just paraphrasing what Caroline was saying. And then she says, but I won't be hired. Mm Mm-hmm. Without experience. So there's this whole really complex if this then that equation right. that's going on in Caroline's head. And so many of us, oh my God, you are not alone. Not alone. Um and so I want to spend my time working, like, I want to spend my time with big animals. I don't mm-hmm. even think it's necessarily that she needs to work
0: with them. No, yeah, let's take with out them. the work word because it's so associated with this whole mm-hmm. massive construct.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to, to like, extrapolate that what Caroline wants is to spend time with big animals Yes, in, in their her life. and in that their natural feels, habitat, she said. Yeah. yeah, and that feels like integrity to her. And then... Past there, it gets very garbled. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. let's like look at this job thing and figure out how we come to our senses about it, Marty. How do we come to our senses about it, Marty? We will talk about that in just a minute. So to recap, Caroline's blind spot and so many of our blind spots is – Um, that is this idea of it has to be a job. My passion has to be my job. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, not just a cultural story, but I also think is quite archaic because we're living in a really amazing time in so many ways. Yep. Um, And it just strikes me, you know, one of the things, Marty's working on a book right now and her research and the conversations that we have as she researches it, uh, I keep getting this same message from them, which is, where you find fear, the book is about anxiety. Mm-hmm. So where you find fear, there's the opportunity for creativity. And-, and when you said that, I was like, that's amazing. You should write a book about
0: that because <laughs> I hadn't actually phrased it that way. I had to text
1: it to myself. You do. so. It's so funny when you say something. I like, I'm going to text that to myself. <laughs> I, like, I, oh, really?
0: It. You'd say it. I recognize it. Then I write it again and text it to myself so I can put it back in the book from which you got it.
1: <laughs> I don't want anybody else. When I think about you, I text myself. Oh, <laughs> I hope we're not going to get billed for royalties there because that, that was a stunning true. rendition.
0: That is literally true. What? Well, back to the topic. So, where is fear? fear. There's an opportunity, an opportunity for re We were afraid to say it and then we did a, made a creative choice to say it in unison like a Greek freaking chorus. All right.
1: <laughs> um, and I just want to say that, you know, when it comes to the question of jobs, because downstream from job is earning money, which is survival. Yeah not dying of starvation and, right. and, and, and you know, the, the obvious like keep your family going, blah, blah, yep. blah. So culture will scare the living shit out of you on this topic. So if you don't think there's fear around oh. the job question,
0: <laughs> you are out of your goddamn mind. So much fear. And the thing is that part of the brain that feels all that fear is designed to say – find food, escape the predator, that's it. So it's very immediate, very visceral, and feels incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. And also that part of the brain doesn't like to believe there are other options. So it shuts down the other options. Add to that very primitive, I mean, even sea cucumbers with 20,000 total neurons as opposed Mm -hmm. to our billions and billions, they still have that fear impulse. And we take sea cucumber level fear and add to it something as, elaborate as the structure of the materialist job in the 20th century, which is when it really came to be in the form we see it. Mm. Like we're adding those together and making this poisonous brew of things to scare ourselves to death while blinding ourselves to ways we can avoid danger and get sustenance. There, I'm going to climb down. Off and the it's, it's amazing how much
1: that very basic idea can sprout but still be in that same part of the brain where it's like mm-hmm. retirement savings, 401K, you know, um, investments, rah, 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 like all of yeah. that stuff which is is quite complex and quite um secondary yeah. to survival all take, all
0: happens in that same yes. scary and brain place. Th- and this is mostly in the left hemisphere, which is also saying this is logic. This is logic. This mm. is just logical. I'm just giving you logic. This is
1: my reasoning mind.
0: Ooh, Ooh. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is a very big soapbox for me as well as you, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. Um. But so, Caroline, let's just like, I hate this term, but it was such a fun term at university when you would go, Let's problematize this. Oh, it's oh, so please. bad. It is yes, so let's good. Problematize. Can I problematize oh, Caroline? <laughs> I'll problematize you. Oh, don't oh. tempt me. Um, so, Caroline, does your integrity demand that you receive a salary for spending time with big? animals? That is the question that I pose to everyone, Mm -hmm. including myself, because I am just thinking a lot more in the last little while about how much I want to spend more time with big animals,
0: (laughs) get paid for it. it It's funny how suggestible we can be. Um, And there's a parallel to that, which means is getting a salary the only way I can um, support myself while being around big animals because there are ways. Like if you went out to live off the land, you could be around the big animals and still be living. You know what I mean? You wouldn't need money. You could like hunt and forage.
1: All right, but that's not where we're going. No. no. no we're not going to. Yeah, just why aren't you living Caroline, off the land? you'll live on the land. <laughs> There's big animals out there, I think. I don't know what. Skunks, I suppose, possums. Have a brief, exciting life. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry. Just train rattlesnakes. You'll be fine. <laughs> right. Um, no, but I think this is like it was cool that you said that that the job is actually 20th century, because that is. It's yeah. a, it's actually a, a relic in a lot of senses right now. And I, I I had to think about this when we were planning this episode because I thought I have very strong opinions about the creative possibilities of, of making money yes. in this exact moment yes. in time. And I had to check my privilege a little bit and I was like, is it true that that is that true for everyone or mm-hmm. is that only once you reach a certain level of, of economic prosperity and, and security, is that true? And I think we would be like, of course you asked that question, but I think we can also use that kind of um, argument to just um, perpetuate our own fears because I've heard such amazing stories right. of, you know, 18-year-olds with with a mobile phone in Ghana, you know, making something amazing. So I just think if this sounds like that, just make sure that you're sure that it's a privileged thing. Because I don't actually think it has to be because the means to be creative with how money flows to you, I think is actually we're reaching a point where it's quite – Um, democratic.
0: Yeah. I have so many stories about this. Some of them I'll tell later on, but here's the bottom line. We live in a completely different economic landscape from Mm -hmm. the one that existed when the traditional job was created. Never forget that it was created as factory label. Can't say too many times. Yeah. Go to a building, sit with other people, do a job you hate, go home.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it didn't exist before the industrial revolution at all. And then the whole go to an office thing was all 20th century. So what I always have done in my own life is I pull back and I say, what do I want my life to look like? Not where is a job that will make me happy, but how do I want to spend my time on earth? And then that dictates to me my way of creating things and my way of finding sustenance. And that has added up to what people call a career, but it's really been this weird live off the new economic landscape from a, from multiple tiny sources of income that all add up to something, and, you know, that's really workable. So I've lived that. It just strikes me to
1: go off on a little mini detour for a moment, but
0: I was just thinking
1: about what you were saying about the go into an office as the extension of the Industrial Revolution sort of thing in the factory. But it also strikes me that part of the relic of the 20th century model that that we're living in. I'm just I'm seeing a very feminist slant suddenly Ooh. of this which is that the going into the office was yeah. the nuclear family where the man goes to the office and um dinners on the table and a martini yep. when he walks in the yep. door and the wife's at home with the kids and so actually this um, where I think we've got lost as a society in this cultural story, it's it's the job itself is actually part of the crisis that that yes. we're seeing in in our immediate you know Western whatever culture um, because mm-hmm. excuse it, me where um, all these they
0: don't they just don't work. <laughs> it was literally designed. <laughs> this was my PhD dissertation topic. Buckle up. It was the jobs we have today were literally designed for property owning wealthy males who in the in the early, you know, early United States and in, in Europe, who had multiple servants, often slaves, and always women doing full-time domestic labor. And we're not even just talking every guy or even every white man. It was property owning white males. It was an elite privilege to do what we call a job so that you didn't have to worry about anything else. And when I had little kids in fibromyalgia, I had, I could not do a job. And so where we have uh,
1: women in in particular who are still doing so much of the domestic work, you know, there's still all the studies showing, you know, men are getting it better. Work. But the kin work, yeah, and, and the domestic work as well, is um, that when you have to get a job as well with this nine to five expectation attached to it, you're actually also signing yourself up if, if you're, are a woman or identify as a woman or have that sort of uh, heterosexual domestic setup, you're also potentially signing yourself up for an eternal crisis of time. And, you know, I think maybe that's part of what Caroline's um, thinking is that, well, given that I will have to spend this much time dealing with kids, this much time dealing with housework, this much time dealing with writing cards to my husband's, you know, mother about, you know, her hip, replacement operation, um, then the only way I will get to fulfil my dream is to fit my dream into yeah. the job. But I haven't designed my whole life for that. I don't have oh. the experience so I won't get hired. Now getting mm. hired is so 20th century it is um because we now have an economy where you create the thing and then they come to you yeah um and just sorry i'm i'm getting i'm getting so excited Marty. it's exciting but just to come back to the salary and and trying to do that is you work is the price that you pay in this model
0: to have a good life or a or a a good enough life. A good evening. A good yeah. weekend occasionally, because most of your waking hours are at the job.
1: Right. And and so it's all the things that you need end up needing to give yourself because you're so anxious and so depressed because jo- your job is so miserable is your consolation prize for having to go into your job. But that's also supposed to be the part of your life that you're doing a your job for, but you're just <sighs> using it to recover from the misery of having this job. I mean, guys, it's folks, gnarly. We have got
0: to like look at this. Yeah, change it. And uh, your point is well taken. To to question the job, the book of Job, you have to question everything. The whole Bible. about gender, about child rearing, about the the importance of relative um, occupations that go into a human life. So mm. <clears throat> again, sorry. so
1: much of it is just about how we want to spend our time.
0: Yes, and you. So how do I want my life to look? and how can I support myself? That goes to two different things. How can I do something that makes others' lives better? Because that's the source of value. If you can add mm. something to the world that other people value, and you can be a source of it, then you have some a commodity, as it were. And what I had is I like talking to people about their lives. And it turned into a career that people think I set out for and had business cards printed up and stuff. I just talked to people so much that they started paying me. <laughs> yeah. So how can I make others' lives better doing what I enjoy? And then what do I want the day to look like? How do I want every day to look like? I'm not going to go to a job for 10 hours and then rest a little in the evening. What do I want a day to be like for me? And then shoot for that the way Tim Ferriss did in the four-hour work week.
1: I'm going to say something. Okay. I want to say that um, how can I make others' lives better? And then you said that's creating value. Mm. And we watched a really interesting TikTok video where someone was arguing for the virtues of diversity mm-hmm. and saying ultimately this will affect your bottom line because of these reasons and these reasons, you will end up yeah, with a great with a, you know, with more profit. And then she said at the end, she's like, I should not have to resort to capitalist language and values to tell you to be nice to each other. Right. But I can, Uh, but I shouldn't have to. And in a way, I just want to sort of push back a little bit that, yes, uh, I want to create value, but I also want to suggest that when we're talking about our dreams and our integrity and all of that, Mm -hmm. that I think that becomes the byproduct of doing what. Is your passion, Mm. is that it will create value for others. So I would almost prefer to ask how, what am I, what is my dream? What is the way I want to spend my time? Yeah. And then the next bit is how do I make it pay?
0: And you've always gone at it that way. And I think it's really interesting because I had children really young Mm. and you were in your 20s were like out on adventures. And so you mine was, oh my God, I've got to support these three kids. I've got to create value mm. and sell it and get mm-hmm. money for it. And yours was, how do I want my day to live? Yeah, but then I was they like, how can I just have
1: fun? I've got no one to support, baby.
0: <laughs> then they crisscrossed at a point where you now create value doing what you love. And I now get to have the, you know, spend a month painting mm-hmm. because we both have both both sets of structures in place and they're not cultural structures. yeah. They connect with cultural structures. Like this podcast is connecting with people and I hope making their day a little better. Um, but in really tangential ways that most people would not call a job. Yeah. 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 Or creating value for that matter. Or creating any value except our own delight in our yeah. in our fights.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of our reviews occasionally say that they're a bit too delighted by each other.
0: Oh. <laughs> And we're like, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. I almost said a bad word. Yeah. Because I don't, I respectfully do not care if you think we like each other too
1: much because we do. We do. Um, And just to like, we've sort of keep alluding to this idea of this new economy and this 21st century way of thinking, but you know, and obviously what I'm talking about is the internet and the social web and the ways that we can connect with each other now, which is, absolutely revolutionary. Yeah. Every five years, it's it's a complete revolution. It's a completely new
0: place to live. And, and it's speeding up every five years, every two years, every one year, every six months. That's Moore's law of, of development. It's going up faster every single year. And every
1: single development is an opportunity to re-engage and, and get creative once again with this idea of jobs and working and and, and supporting yourself. Right. What was the CVS what's
0: the thing oh, that happened yeah. at the Oh, yeah. Okay. So pharmacy. I went to the pharmacy yesterday. And as I was buying um, two bars of uh, ChapStick, not just for you, but also for Karen, out <laughs> of my sheer generosity, there was just one person working the whole store. And she was like running back and forth between these supposedly automated teller stands, but they always needed help. And so she finally got to me and I said, man, you're short staffed today. That must be hard. And she said, oh no, it's like this every day. And I said, you're kidding. This is a big store. There's just you. And she said, well, everybody else went home for the pandemic. They just left me here by myself and everyone else in the intervening months found ways that they could make. And she she named a figure $40,000, $50,000 just doing something on the internet. So they decided not to come back to work. And I was like,
1: what are they doing?
0: Tell me everything. And she's like, I don't know. They just all found a way. And I'm assuming these are not, I mean, she doesn't, she seems to be a person who's living pretty close to subsistence. And I don't think these are highly skilled people with, you know, headhunters, executive search firms out gunning to take them away from the pharmacy to do their jobs online, but they were doing it. And they were in effect, they'd left the civilization, they'd gone out into the wild world of the intell- of the internet and the intellect, <laughs> and um, now they're all doing something to support themselves and they never had to go back to their job.
1: Yeah, and it's such a mystery to everyone who's still like scanning the newspaper uh, help-wanted ads uh, because that's just not, how it works anymore you, you know Marty. What? if i was 23 yes right now mm. do you know what wait, i would be wait, doing you're not
0: 23 i am 23 Ah,
1: so i'm i regret to inform you that i am going to now become a hashtag van life influencer and travel Ooh. around the country earning money that way making tiktok videos with my dog that i don't have you have a dog uh, it used to be mine, but then Karen stole it. <laughs> Claire Bear, fair of oh hair, standing with a vacant stare. She couldn't come in a van life. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, the van life thing. We once talked about how there are no lesbians in van life, and then you heard differently. Oh, my gosh, our
1: readers got back to me. And I now follow a lot of very cool gay van life people.
0: So They're not even a all white. That's awesome. You put something out online about there aren't people doing this like me, and bam, you get so many sources of information. And you use them because you are, to me, the most interesting creature. After a year, <laughs> after
1: a year, after I'm like a large like animal.
0: Decades of life coaching, you come along as the most inter- interesting specimen because you oh, are an economy scavenger. <laughs> scavenger, you can go into. You've gone to different countries. You've been in different situations, and you never think who's going to hire me. You're always thinking, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And some of them are job-like things. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just things you could do that you know would be valuable to someone and you could help them with, right? Yeah, it's
1: funny. I've got a, like, now that you say that, I've got, like, a sort of junkyard dog kind of thing where I'm always, like, on the lookout for if I'm down and out, if, (laughs) if I'm homeless and I need to whatever. Yeah, I do always think like that. It's funny. It's like I always feel like, okay, so there's what I can do and there's, like, so there's the system. And then there's what I want to do. And then it's like how can I mesh them together? How can I Tetris yeah, what's yeah. available with what I can do
0: to to, to make some money. So Tetris is like a, visu- a visual puzzle that you put together. You have these pieces. Here's what I can do. And then the objective is to fit them into the system in a place that the game will approve of. Right. And so if I if I
1: were unattached now, I would go and I love travel. I yeah. love all of that sort of stuff. I, love, I even love multimedia. So, you know, TikTok and mobile phones right, right, and right. van life, hashtag van life would be perfect for me because it's like where does my joy meet the world's yeah. needs? right
0: Mm. so yeah who was it Matthew Fox said your mission in life is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet There you go. And that's not necessarily a job. Sometimes it will be job-like, or you may get a job that works. We're not anti-job Oh, God, no. It's just it won't always connect, but once in a while it will. Good luck. Robert Louis Stevenson said, everybody lives by selling something. And this is after writing about a guy marooned on a desert island. And so what he's selling, he's trading his energy foraging and hunting on the island for subsistence. Hmm. And if you can back up that far as if you're like, marooned on a desert island. Walking through a city with you is like walking through the woods with a naturalist saying, I could do that. This could work that way. And I'm sorry, I know you don't like to be praised, but you have Tetris together a really fascinating life doing what you wanted. And I did so because I had to, because I was too sick to get a job.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because the the analogy with the desert island though is that it's always been fairly subsistence for me, and it's almost like that's the trade off, right? Mm-hmm. Is that um, what the promise that the culture gives you with the job, and it doesn't always come through on that promise? Is that security, that sense of you've got more than enough, if that you're not living close to the bone, if something happens, da da da. But yeah, I don't I- think it does deliver on that promise.
0: I was really surprised the other day. I was listening to a book on writing, and um, he got to a chapter on self publishing, which I expected to read like it read, like that read in the 1990s, which was there's no money in it. It's called Vanity Press for a reason, and you will never make a cent. In 2020s, the guy was saying, no, if you get some fans online, mm-hmm. you can just put your novels out there in digital form and people will pay you for them and you can make some pretty good money. And because you're not, you get, there's no overhead. Yeah, and if you get enough of them, you can do really well. And yeah. like, and, and that's also true. Um, we know a woman who does – she has three kids at home and she started doing – She was amazing. She's, she's um, in our family, actually, and she
1: – um had her kids she's a very brilliant woman um and then she started like i don't even know how she got into it but like there are all these products that you can get for newborns for gifts and everything and blankets names in a frame and then she started so she started using these online tools and next thing i know she's doing tutorials for other people mm-hmm. who are starting to use these tools because she finds that she can communicate how to use them really well or how to um use them the most effective way yeah possible. And she's got a YouTube channel now and she's done da. So she's using all the tools that are available.
0: Yeah. And I'll never forget the day someone told me, and this was right around 2000. You like talking to people about their lives here sketched out on a napkin is a way that you can make a website for $150 where you could teach people that online. And I was like, oh my God, that would work. And I did it for $150, went into the black the next day and have, um, that's, that's Martha Beck Incorporated. It was just a napkin and an idea mm. and boom. So yeah, we've both kind of lived that way at subsistence level and it's turning out kind of above subsistence level. Yeah. Um. And, and I do think people can do this. I think it's the most exciting time to be alive maybe ever, but it requires a shift of attention away from that obsession with the job hierarchy of the 20th century mm. And it requires a willingness to dis- disbelieve the deepest, scariest, most emphatic obsessions of the culture.
1: So true, that yeah. So
0: true. It, it reminds me of a time, another pivotal time, right before I had the nap, the cocktail napkin job, or company. I was desperate and broke. And I had kids and I needed money. And I was walking on the beach and I was like, please, please, please let me get a job. And something from deep inside me said, like almost audibly, what makes you think that your living has to come from a job? And I was like, "Huh." And that's what we want to offer Caroline and all of
1: you who are struggling with questions of work and jobs and money and um, your own integrity and your own dreams Yeah, is just don't forget to stay creative. And stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review. And stay wild.
0: You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need And the world needs wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to marthabeck.com and you'll find your way.